Princess Lindworm. Once upon a time, there was a fine young queen who was married to the loveliest of kings. They were exceedingly happy, all but for one thing. They had no children, and this often made them both sad because the king wanted a dear little child to play with and the queen wanted an heir to the queendom. One day, the king went out for a walk by himself and he met an ugly old man. The old man was just like a witch, but he was a nice kind of witch, not the cantankerous kind. He said, Why do you look so doleful, pretty lord? Uh, it's no use my telling you, answered the king. Nobody in the world can help me. Oh, you never know, said the old man. Just let me hear what your trouble is and maybe I can put things right. My dear man, how can you, said the king. And he told him, the queen and I have no children. That's why I'm so distressed. Well, you needn't be, said the old witch. I can set that right in a twinkling if only you will do exactly as I tell you. Listen, tonight at sunset, take a little drinking cup with two ears and put it bottom upwards on the ground in the northwest corner of your garden. Then go and lift it up tomorrow morning at sunrise and you will find two roses underneath it, one red, one white. If you eat the red rose... A little girl will be born to you. If you eat the white rose, a little boy will be sent. But whatever you do, you mustn't eat both the roses or you'll be sorry that I warn you. Only one. Remember that? Thank you. A thousand times, said the king. This is good news indeed. And he wanted to give the old man his gold ring, but the old man wouldn't take it. So the king went home and did as he had been told and next morning at sunrise he stole out into the garden and lifted up the little drinking cup. He was surprised for indeed he had hardly expected to see anything but there were the two roses underneath it, one red and one white. And now he was dreadfully puzzled for he did not know which to choose. If I choose the red one, he thought, and I have a little girl, she may grow up and go to the wars and get killed. But if I choose the white one and have a little boy, he will stay at home a while with us, but later on he will get married and go away and leave us. So whichever it is, we may be left with no child after all. However, at last he decided on the white rose and he ate it. And it tasted, oh, so sweet that he took and ate the red one too without ever remembering the old man's solemn warning. Sometime after this, the king became the father of twins. One was a lovely baby girl and the other, the other was a lindworm. Oh, he was terribly frightened when he saw the linworm, but she wriggled away out of the room and nobody seemed to have seen her but himself, so he thought he, maybe it was a dream. The baby princess, oh, she was so beautiful and so healthy. The king was full of joy and likewise, as you may suppose, not a word was said by anyone about the lindworm. Only the king thought about it now and then. 
Many days and years passed by and the baby grew up into a beautiful young princess and it was time that she got married. The queen sent her off to visit foreign kingdoms in the royal coach with six white horses to look for a prince grand enough to be her husband. But at the very first crossroads, the way was stopped by an enormous lindworm, enough to frighten the bravest. She lay in the middle of the road with a great wide open mouth and cried, A husband for me before a husband for you! Then the princess made the coach turn around and try another road, but it was all no use, for at the first crossways there lay the lindworm again, crying out, A husband for me before a husband for you! So the princess had to turn back home again to the castle and give up her visits to the foreign kingdoms. And her father, the king, had to confess that what the lindworm said was true. For she was really the eldest of his twins and so she ought to have a wedding first. There seemed nothing for it but to find a husband for the lindworm if her younger sister, the princess, was to be married at all. So the queen wrote to a distant country and asked for a prince to marry her daughter, but of course she didn't say which daughter, and presently a prince arrived. But he wasn't allowed to see his bride until she stood by his side in the great hall and was married to him, and then, of course, it was too late for him to say he wouldn't have her. But next morning, the prince had disappeared. The lindworm lay sleeping all alone, and it was quite plain that she had eaten him. A little while after, the princess decided that she might now go journeying again in search of a prince. And off she drove in the royal chariot with the six white horses. But at the first crossways, there lay the lindworm, crying with a great wide open mouth, A husband for me before a husband for you! So the carriage again tried another road, and the same thing again happened. And they had to turn back again, but this time just as formerly. The Queen wrote to several foreign countries to know if anyone would marry her daughter. At last another prince arrived, this time from a very distant land, and of course he was not allowed to see his future wife before the wedding took place, and then, lo and behold, it was the lindworm who stood at his side. The next morning the prince had disappeared. The lindworm lay sleeping all alone, and it was quite clear that she had eaten him. By and by, the princess started on her quest for a third time, and at the first crossroads there lay the lindworm with her great wide open mouth demanding a husband as before. The princess went straight back to the castle and told the queen, You must find another husband for my elder sister. I don't know where I am to find him, said the queen. I have already made enemies of two great queens who sent their sons as bridegrooms, and I have no notion how I can obtain a third lord. People are beginning to say strange things, and I am sure no prince will dare to come. Now, down in a little cottage near a wood there lived the queen's shepherd, an old woman with her only son, and the queen came one day and said to her, Will you give me your son to marry my daughter, the lindworm, and I will make you rich for the rest of your life? No, ma'am, said the shepherd, that I cannot do. He is my only child, and I want him to take care of me when I am old. Besides, if the lindworm would not spare two handsome princes, she won't spare him either. She will just gobble him up, and he is much too good for such a fate. 
But the queen wouldn't take no for an answer, and at last the old woman had to give in. Well, when the old shepherd told her son that he was to be Princess Lindworm's bridegroom, he was utterly in despair. He went out into the woods crying and wringing his hands and bewailing his hard fate. And while he wandered to and fro, an old witch man suddenly appeared out of a big hollow oak tree and asked him, Why do you look so doleful, handsome lad? The shepherd said, It's no use my telling you, for nobody in the world can help me. Oh, you never know, said the old man. Just let me hear what you trouble is and maybe I can put things right. Ah, how can you, said the boy, for I am to be married to the queen's eldest daughter, who is a lindworm. She has already married two handsome princes and devoured them and she will eat me too. No wonder I am distressed. Well, you needn't be, said the witch man. Oh, that could be said right in a twinkling folly. You will do exactly as I tell you. So the boy said he would. Listen then, said the old man. After the marriage ceremony is over, and when it is time for you to retire to rest, you must ask to be dressed in ten, ten snow white shifts, and then you must ask them for a tub full of love. This is washing water prepared with wood ashes. And a tub full of fresh milk and as many whips as a girl can carry in her arms. And after all, he's brought into your bedchamber. Then, then, when the lindworm tells you to shed a shift, you bid her slough a skin. And when all her skins are off, you must dip the whips in the lion whipper. Next, you must wash her in the fresh milk. And lastly, you must take her and hold her in your arms if it's only for a The last, the last is the worst notion, <laughs> said the shepherd's son, and he shuddered at the thought of holding the cold, slimy, scaly lindworm. Do as I've said and all will go well, said the old man. Then he disappeared again in the oak tree. When the wedding day arrived, the boy was fetched in the royal chariot with the six white horses and taken to the castle to be decked as a bridegroom. He asked for ten snow-white shifts to be brought to him and the tub of lye and the tub of milk and as many whips as a girl could carry in her arms. The lords and ladies in the castle thought, of course, that this was some, I don't know, bit of peasant superstition, rubbish, nonsense. But the queen said, let him have whatever he asks for. He was then arrayed in the most wonderful robes and looked the handsomest of bridegrooms. He was led to the hall where the wedding ceremony was to take place and he saw the lindworm for the first time as she came in and stood by his side. So they were married. A great wedding feast was held, a banquet fit for the daughter of a queen. When the feast was over, the bride and bridegroom were conducted to their apartment with music and torches and a great procession. As soon as the door was shut, the lindworm turned to her husband and said, Fair sir, shut a shift. The shepherd's son answered her, Princess Lindworm, slough a skin. No one has ever dared tell me to do that before, said she. But I command you to do it now, said he. She began to moan, she began to wriggle, and in a few minutes a long snakeskin lay upon the floor beside her. The boy drew off his first shift and spread it on top of the skin. The lindworm said again to him, 
Fair sir, shed a shift. The shepherd's son answered her, Princess Lindworm, sloth a skin. No one has ever dared say that to me before, said she. But I command you to do it now, said he. Then with groans and moans and wriggles and oh, she cast off the second skin and he covered it with his second shift. The lindworm said for a third time, Fair sir, shed a shift. The shepherd's son answered her again, Princess Lindworm, sloth a skin. No one has ever dared tell me to do that before, said she, and her little eyes rolled furiously. But the boy was not afraid, and once more he commanded her to do as he bade. So this went on until nine lindworm skins were lying on the floor, each of them covered with a snow-white shift. There was nothing left of the lindworm but a huge, thick mass, most horrible to see. Then the boy seized the whips. He dipped them in the line, whipped her as hard as ever he could. Next, he bathed her all over in the fresh milk. Lastly, he dragged her onto the bed and put his arms around her. And he fell fast asleep that very moment. Next morning, very early, the queen and the courtiers came and peeped in through the keyhole. They wanted to know what had become of the boy, but none of them dared enter the room. However, in the end, growing bolder, they opened the door just a tiny bit. And there they saw the boy, all fresh and rosy, and beside him lay no lindworm, but the loveliest princess that anyone could wish to see. The queen ran out and fetched the king, and after that there was such rejoicing in the castle as never were known before or since. The wedding took place all over again, much finer than the first, with festivals and banquets and merrymaking for days, for weeks. No bridegroom was ever so beloved by a queen and king as this peasant lad from the shepherd's cottage. There was no end to their love and their kindness towards him, because by his sense and his calmness and his courage, he had saved their daughter, Princess Lindworm.